told Judge Haythorne of lines and curves that could be made to point out directions leading through the walls of space to other spaces beyond, and had implied that such lines and curves were frequently used at certain midnight meetings in the dark valley of the white stone beyond Meadow Hill. She had spoken also of the black man, of her oath, and of her new secret name of Nahab. Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame. I'm your host, Frank, and this is another one of my first look episodes. And this is a first look for the player cards of The Secret Name, the first mythos pack in the Circle Undone cycle. With that tongue twister out of the way, I think we can just more or less dive in. But it feels a little bit like a new season for first looks, doesn't it? So before I get completely carried away diving in, a couple of introductory thoughts, I suppose. The first is, I don't have the pack in my hands. It's been delayed to the UK. So this is coming out at a very odd time, hopefully on a Monday morning, because I've managed to find a way of looking at the cards. But I basically was caught between a rock and a hard place uh, of wanting to look at the cards myself in my hands, but then of also not being sure when they'd ever reach the UK. Because as it stands now, the cards have been out for four days in the States and they're not even expected out in another four days in the UK. It might be another week yet. So there are listeners in the in the States who are wondering where the first look is. There are listeners in the UK who don't have the cards themselves. At that point, I thought all bets were off and I should just settle down and record. So that's what I'm doing. What does it mean to be starting a new cycle? Well, it means the XP will be lower. The cards will probably be filling out the card pool for investigators and it also means that we've really got to think about our terms of engagement because I was counting as I came to sit down and do this recording and I think and now I'm terrified and I should have checked I think we have 29 investigators now five in the core five in Dunwich six in Carcosa that's 16 five in Forgotten Age 21 Six in Circle Undone, 27. Silas and Norman, 29. I think that's right. And any given card at level zero is probably open to the five people who for whom that, that card's faction is their main class, as well as the Danich Gators, so that's another four, and Lola, so that's ten. So we're looking at about a third of the card pool before we even start to take into account Elicit or Marie, Carolyn and Finn's off-class selection, which adds to that as well, depending on the faction, or other trait-based things like tactic or innate. That means the challenge for evaluating these cards about finding their home is going to be quite great, I think. It's not the case of going, well, Zoe and Roland can run this game on. It's maybe more of a case of me trying to think about where it fits. All of this is a long-winded way of saying these first looks aren't meant to be the comprehensive be-all and end-all review of cards. They're meant to be my reaction and just first inclination about a good fit, a good match, something maybe that gets me excited in terms of a new deck style or, or a way of playing. So hopefully that's worthwhile for you, the listener. And of course, I'm always welcome to your feedback. I'll be having guests joining me on the cast later in this cycle of first looks, I hope. So yeah, sit back, get the cards in front of you, and let's do this. And the first card is, ooh, okay, I like this already. Something worth fighting for. Big name, but no quote marks, which is still fine. It's a three-cost Guardian asset, no XP, one willpower icon. It's a talent, so we can go back to our talent episode. We don't yet have an investigator who can take talents across factions. 
something worth fighting for may be assigned horror dealt to other investigators at your location. I can't die here. Not now. Not yet. And it takes no damage and three horror. Wow, I saw a conversation on the Mythos Busters Discord. Have you heard of the Mythos Busters? They're this dreadful cast that probably not worth listening to. But they were, someone was talking about, can't remember your name, sorry, True Grit for Horror, and how useful that would be for Carolyn, who can heal horror sometimes off assets she controls, depending on what cards she has in play. And just filling out that space of Guardians being the ones who take all of the hits. So maybe you've got Brother Xavier, True Grit, and this. Maybe you even use Ever Vigilant to play them all more cheaply. It's still eight cost, but you get everything down. And then you're just the mobile health and sanity soak for the rest of the team. I wonder if first aid level three, I think the damage and the horror that it heals come off the same thing. I think it's an investigator or an ally at your location. So yeah, I wonder if it's only Carolyn's Elder Sign effect that can heal horror off this unless I'm thinking of something else. I don't think Painkillers and Smoking Pipe, they take damage and horror off you, and you can then assign them to other cards. But for Carolyn, maybe for Hypnotic Therapy, she's she's pretty happy healing things off cards. I'm pretty sure Hypnotic Therapy heals off cards. And I say that, and then actually I'm not sure. I think Hypnotic Therapy is just healing investigators. It wouldn't make sense for it to heal other cards. Am I missing an obvious card that heals horror off assets at your location? Because this doesn't even work for what's the card? Moment of Respite, right? Does Clarity of Mind level 3 work? I think that's among investigators. So yeah. Okay, so this is maybe somewhat less useful than I first thought. I think the only ability I can now think of is Carolyn's Elder sign effect? No, that doesn't heal off anything beyond assets. Maybe we're going to see horror healing later then. This is just a way of, of, of soaking. Okay, so let's... <laughs> I've gone down a crazy path. Let's put to one side the idea that you could heal the horror on something worth fighting for again. And let's stick to what this also could do. Guardians, apart from Carolyn, have low sanity. And while many of them wouldn't want to play True Grit to buff their health because they have huge health pools, they might want to play this. At three cost, it's another expense for Guardians. It's definitely not not cheap in the Guardian pool, but it's probably worth it paying three for three. I'm just trying to think of any other way of getting that much horror soak. I think the only other way would be paying five for Xavier. So maybe at level zero, you, you play with this and then you add Xavier if that's the way you want to go. Yeah. Okay. A nice first card. To be honest with you, I never thought they'd print this kind of card for the horror. I thought that that would remain a weakness of Guardians, but they have printed it. So there we go. Okay, let's move on. The next card is... Okay, it's a Seeker card. This is cool. I think what this means, because we've got the dual class cards coming up, I think we won't get lots of XP cards for... You know, we won't get the usual level 0 XP, level 0 XP for the factions because we're going to see the dual class cards instead. Anyway, this is Crack the Case. Oh, it's what it might look like at the end of a police investigation. That's a little reference to our Arkham and Flames fans. And, okay, wow. It's a cipher that's been decoded. At the edge of Earth, underneath the surface, they live! Exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Greg Bobrovsky doing some great art there. The flavour is, when you have eliminated all which is impossible, then whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. Arthur Conan Doyle, 
The Adventure of the Blanched Soldier. This is a zero-cost event with one intellect icon. Fast, play after an investigator discovers the last remaining clue at your location. Investigators at that location gain a total of X resources distributed as you wish. X is that location's shroud value. Oh, <laughs> that is nice. So zero cost, if you just get the last clue at a two shroud location, you can get two resources. If it's a five shroud location, that's five resources. And the amazing thing is that you can spread out the resources as you wish. So this is like an emergency cash-ish, but to be given out to whoever needs it rather than just being given out to yourself. Okay, that is cool. Uh, it's insight traded, so it could go in the hunch deck, but it's one of these hunches that you, uh, it's one of these insight cards rather, that you want to time. It's a little bit like connect the dots, where the, the discount from the hunch deck for collect, connect the dots is great, but you don't always know when you'll have a location ready to get the last clue to then connect the dots from. This even more so, you don't need a discount because it's already zero cost. You probably want it sitting in hand ready to play. The, the other thing that's probably worth thinking about is that this in higher player counts, it doesn't reward you for you know getting eight clues from a two-shroud location and then playing this card, you get two resources. Getting two clues from a two-shroud location in solo, you still get two resources. So it doesn't scale with players, which makes me think, you know, getting that single clue from a four-shroud location by playing, working a hunch or being Roland and killing an enemy there, you then crack the case and get four resources. That feels very efficient in terms of action spent, whereas having to sit there and get four actions worth of clues as the seeker, although you can still do that pretty easily, doesn't give give the same kind of payout. And I think that will be where this card falls down, is that people will say, oh, but I've had to spend five, six actions to clear this location and all I'm getting is three resources from it. I may as well have just played Emergency Cash. Which I, I completely take on board. I see that as a legitimate complaint. I also just think this is so thematic, though. No, not just that it's so thematic. I also think that this is doing a slightly different thing. You're getting the resources after the fact. The power of giving them out to other people seems really good to me. If you're playing a really rich seeker who... Or even, like, say you're playing Min and you're not spending your resources anyway, playing a card that gives a bunch of resources to other people is great. And I'm just noticing as well that you don't have to be the one who gets the last remaining clue. So you could go in and get three clues from a location and then your rogue swoops in and gets the last one and you give out the resources that way. Really nice. Really nice. Rewards that seeker play where you always have a buddy with you. Yeah, I like it. I'm excited to actually put that in a lot of decks. Roland, I think, will be really good for that. It's more economy for Roland. It feeds into what he anyway wants to do, which is get clues from locations testlessly and efficiently. Yeah, nice. Okay, the next card is Intel Report. So shout out to Mythos Busters. I know I said that they were a dreadful second-rate cast earlier, but they are also now doing card reveals called Look What I Found, which, to be honest with you, is a good name for cards, but I don't think they found the cards. I think they were sent the cards by FFG. So maybe they should have named it something like Special Delivery or Receiving Cards from FFG. Anyway, small quibble. You know, not everyone can pick the right names of of cards for their different series but uh this is all in jest i hasten to add and realize i'm sounding a bit seriously so they announced this to the community and as someone who's also announced cards to the community i think it's really important that other content creators acknowledge the hard work that podcasts or youtube channels do in announcing cards and i love the way that they covered this card and talked about all of the options 
definitely go and check that out, but I'll run through the card anyway. It's a two-cost event, double intellect icon, which I think is the first level zero card with double intellect icon for Rogue. It's favor and service traded, which we've seen already on a, an, an FFG officially announced card later in this cycle. It's called Intel Report. Discover one clue at your location. Reaction. When you play Intel Report, increase its cost by two. Change discover one clue to discover two clues. Second reaction. When you play Intel Report, increase its cost by two. Change at your location to at a location up to two connections away. So (laughs) I love elegant cards that have very simple rules text like discover one clue at your location and I love the way that the two reactions take the first half of that and then the second half of that and actually swizzle them up in a bit of a mixer. The flexibility this offers feels great. It sits in a faction who potentially have lots of resources. It sits in a faction who haven't historically had ways of getting clues without pumping with streetwise or maybe with eavesdrop which most people feel is a little bit of a tricky card to make work efficiently so this really fills a bit of a niche and comparatively to something like working a hunch it's the same cost but it comes with an action so that's nice from to my mind that seekers are still the most efficient clue getters but giving rogues this extra option of two two cost for a clue sometimes you just need a clue and need to push on maybe if you're paying two for a clue on a high shroud location and then your seeker is cracking the code there and giving you some of the resources back, that seems worthwhile. It's worth noting Seth could maybe play this multiple times, and the other person who probably likes this is Mr. Rich, Preston, because he's got four resources a turn, so spending four in action for two clues, he might like, you know. And where I think it becomes really powerful is wherever... An investigator can afford to go to six or can afford to go to four and get a clue from two locations away. That starts to become super potent, I think, for flexibility. Like, think about a situation, say, actually, like Midnight Masks is a good example. You've split up from your party as the rogue. You're going to clear out to location. Maybe you're in the graveyard and you've taken that willpower test to get in and you've made it in. You've got one clue left to get and you get hit by on wings of darkness and you're dragged back to Rivertown the central location. Option one is you have to go back in, pass the willpower test again, get that last clue that you left behind. Option two is that you pay four and you get that final clue. Or you pay six and you get two clues from a VP location without spending the actions to go over. I think that's that's really strong. I don't, I don't think it's something that you're doing every single game, saving up to six resources and playing this card for six, but I think it's something that you have in your toolbox as a way of getting clues. Don't worry, guys, I have a way of getting it. And everyone's like, oh, are you going to elusive in there and then investigate twice and that seems like a long way of doing it? You're like, no, have some intel. Boom. Sweet card. Yeah, and we're on to Mystics now. Oh, this card looks amazing. Ah, oh, the Mystic art, always. John Pacer, so good. Who is that, though? Is that Diana in her robe? This is Sign Magic, with a K at the end of magic. It's a three-cost asset with a willpower icon, which is a little bit like something worth fighting for. It's a ritual and a talent, like something worth fighting for. Takes up the hand slot. Fast. You have one additional arcane slot, which can only be used to hold a spell or ritual asset. The body is but an extension of the mind. Hmm... Do you hear that sound? That's the sound of Book of Shadows, level three, 
sinking ever deeper into the back of the the deck box, never to come out. Oh, a level zero fast card that gives you an additional arcane slot, which you're normally using to hold spell and ritual assets. Anyway, blimey. That is, I think, great. I've been playing Mateo recently and doing that juggling act between Right of Seeking, Mist of Relier, Seal of the Seventh Sign and Shriveling and thinking, I've got to just choose a lane. Like, come on, you can't seal, fight, clue, evade, do all of these things, particularly putting pressure all on your arcane slots. And I, I, I level with you. I was looking at Book of Shadows level three and thinking that could be a way of just really padding out this amazing mystic setup where I've got three different spells on the go. I can lock down the tentacle token and I'm a powerhouse. And now you're telling me that I could do that for one fewer resource and fast and trade in a hand slot and not use my hand slots at all apart from the Codex of Ages. Yeah, that's bananas strong, I would say, on first blush. Yeah, really good. It makes me think as well, the times that I've played solo and I've not wanted to run Rite of Seeking because the clue acceleration I don't need as much and I've thought I'll use flashlight in my hands and I won't use Rite of Seeking and I'll try and add some intellect boosts. You can double down as a mystic on willpower boosts and use... Oh, it even has a willpower icon. So if you've already got one down and you... You could put two down. It's not limited. But if you've already got one down and you really don't need more spells, you can just chuck the other to help you pass spell tests. Beautiful. What a card. Oh, yeah. Really like that. Maybe the only person who's not as bothered about it is Diana who sometimes some Diana builds are, are going Guardian heavy and you're, you're not really using your arcane slots to the same degree and you are using your hands for weapons leaning into the Guardian side of things. I pause and I think, oh, that's exciting. Yeah, cool. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. The next card is a Mystic card. Wow, double Mystic and it's XP. Oh, and the art is... Um, yeah, shout out to Daniel and Ancha. Oh my word, that art. There's a little guy in a loin... <gasps> it's not even a guy. It's cloven hoofed. Some kind of goat thing. This is a, uh, a mystic event. Two cost and one XP. So open to all of those off-class mystics. It's called Banish, and it's a spell. Willpower and agility icons, which I think is the same as Blinding Light. Evade. Use only on a non-elite enemy, which is most of them. This evasion attempt uses willpower instead of agility. If you succeed, move the enemy just evaded to any location in play. Okay, wow. It's like bait and switch got a massive pimp up. If you succeed and a skull, cultist, tablet or elder thing symbol, but not a tentacle, uh, you couldn't succeed on tentacle, was revealed during this evasion attempt, that enemy does not ready during the next upkeep phase. Yes! Evasion, great. Getting rid of the enemy so you don't need to necessarily evade them again, great. If you get a bad symbol, a positive thing happens. Super great. I think if you Eldritch Inspiration that effect, because you do it twice, they were just not ready during the same next upkeep phase. I don't think that stacks. So it's not it's not yet a target for the Eldritch Inspiration super play, but it's still good. Still really good. Two cost... 1xp evade? Yeah. Um, so wh what does this compare to? It compares to Blinding Light, which does a damage and you run the risk of taking horror or losing actions. 
Blinding Light level 2, I think, is one cost. Wow, it's been a long time. I used to love Blinding Light, and it's really fallen out of favour for me. Not just because I'm playing Mists of Relier, but also deck space has become so contested, and that's been really tricky. tricky. It doesn't ignore, it doesn't cancel, so there's no cheeky play off the back of Diana. It's pretty nice, maybe for Marie, if you have Doom in play, like another spell to play, but you might just have Mists down. There's someone like Norman or Daisy like this, as a little panic button evade. I mean, if you're doing spell Seth, which, as Peter would tell you, is the only Seth there is, this is nice as well. You play this multiple times. We've seen a card announced coming up later on that likes, I think, mystic spells that are events. So this could be really good. And I saw someone talking about, is the heirloom of Hyperborea about to reach critical mass where you can have your entire deck filled with spells and then it does become a draw engine if you can just find it. And this would be another piece in that puzzle. Wow, I like this. I like this. I like the the gating on non-elite as well, because obviously doing something like making Silas Bishop end up not in the hidden chamber is a really bad idea for breaking the game. So yeah, that that's, I think, an important clause, but I don't think really limits the power of this. There's so many enemies where, again, with my solo hat on, wishing they just weren't with me. They could be in any other location, I'd leave them behind. And that would be fine. And this, yeah, you can boot it. You don't even boot it one location away. You can boot a Nightgaunt to the other side of the map. And then that really buys you some decent time. Solid. The next card is Survivor card, Meat Cleaver. Wow. We've also seen another card with a guy with a kind of axe or something. This is a three-cost asset with a willpower icon. Wow. Willpower icons has been the way forward, I think, for this set so far. No XP. It's item, weapon, and melee. Wow, competing with fire axe and baseball bat. One hand. Action fight. You get plus one combat for this attack. Plus two combat instead if you have three or fewer remaining sanity. If this attack defeats an enemy, you may heal one horror. As an additional cost to initiate this ability, you may take one horror to have this attack deal plus one damage. Blimey. Yeah. Um... Let's calculate this. Let's who who has low sanity as a I mean let, put it in Zoe. Let's say Zoe, she has six sanity. When you fight with it normally you get plus one combat. So you're just a five. You could take a horror to swing, but you're still you're still just swinging for plus one combat. But if that horror takes you down to only having three or fewer sanity left, so you've already taken two horror, it takes you to three, then you're doing plus two damage. And at that point, Oh, but you only get the damage every time you take horror. So ideally, you float around the two to three horror remaining, and you take a horror, swing, do two damage, and kill an enemy, heal the horror back up, and then you're at the threshold for the plus two combat, and you're at the threshold to keep taking the damage. Because if you've taken five horror as Zoe, you don't want to take one horror for the additional damage, because it'll drive you insane. Unless you have something worth fighting for down like a massive horror battery that you can just keep putting your horror on. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. And like a true meaning of that word, there's a lot at play there that is will reward good piloting, will reward navigating that fine line. 
in Survivor, you might have Peter Sylvester as well, so you could be overflowing your horror onto Peter Sylvester, and he's healing it, and you're staying at that threshold. And of course, if you only have three or fewer remaining sanity, you're also desperate. So maybe this works in a kind of yachtle desperate deck, or even just an Ashcan Pete desperate deck, where you're chucking cards generally. Silas also has low sanity. Maybe Silas doesn't mind this. Yorick also potentially has low sanity, and yeah, you could put it on the keepsake. Any extra? That is cool. Wow. You've got Fire Axe, Baseball Bat, and Meat Cleaver, and Gravedigger Shovel, all doing essentially completely different things and making my head hurt. So, yeah, that's good. That's good. It's tricksy. I like it. The next card is our first dual class card. And at this point, I turn to the rules for these new card cards, and I see that they're called multi-class cards, not dual class. So... Forgive me for all the times I've said dual class. So let's talk about the rules first, because when that podcast drawn to the flame, i.e. this podcast announced the 45 Thompson, we were doing it somewhat in the dark about how it worked, and I think we got it a little bit wrong. So hold our hands up. We were working with the information we had. I will also say that chances are I will say something incorrectly now, because I am really struggling to get my head around these cards. Okay, Multi-class cards can be identified by their gold colour and by the presence of multiple class icons instead of one. A multi-class card is a card of each of those classes. So the Thompson is a guardian card and a rogue card. And a multi-class card is not a neutral card. A multi-class card can be included in an investigator's deck if that investigator has access to either of that card's classes. So it's both guardian and rogue. So someone like... Finn, who has access to Rogue but no access to Guardian, can run the 45 Thompson. If an investigator has limited access to one of the classes on a multi-class card and unlimited access to one of the other classes on that card, it will still occupy one of the investigator's limited slots. So for Zoe, Zoe has limited access to Rogue but unlimited access to Guardian. So in theory, it occupies one of her slots. However, the rules then say unless their deck building options contain the world other in it. And Zoe's does contain the word other in it, because Zoe reads Guardian cards level 0 to 5, neutral cards level 0 to 5, up to 5 level 0 cards from any other class. When these rules came out, there was then that scramble to work out who had other, and everyone who has weird deck building has other, like Finn, like Carolyn, I believe, like Marie, who reads up to five other level zero seeker and or survivor cards. The only person who doesn't is Norman currently. And we know that that has changed for Carolyn from her promo to now. She didn't have other, now she does, which suggests to me that maybe other will sneak in. So let's think about that again. If an investigator has limited access to one of the classes on a multi-class card and unlimited access to one of the other classes... It will still occupy one of the limited slots unless they have the word other, in which case it doesn't. So for the Thompson, if you're Mark Harrigan, you have access to Guardian, so you can take it. If you're Zoe, you have access to Guardian. You have limited access to other classes, but with the word other. So this still is just a Guardian card to you. It doesn't take up your slots, which is great and makes a load more sense. Rumour has it that Matt was going to change something, but I think actually these rules are good and clean. Don't even start to ask me how it works with Lola, because this is only a single card. So should it take two slots? I don't know. Anyway, confusion, I think, over, 
essentially it takes up one slot and you need access to one of the two classes. One deck building slot, that is. And our first one is the 45 Thompson, which is a six cost asset with a combat icon, uses five ammo, item, weapon, firearm, and illicit. Action, spend one ammo, fight. You get plus two combat and deal plus one damage for this attack. Takes up both hands. Used by both gangsters, Fred and Jim, and police officers, the fully automatic Thompson submachine gun was favoured due to its accuracy and high volume of fire. This card we announced to the community. Shout out to John to the Flame. Weird self-referential shout out there. We talked about it in detail in our last Visions of Future Past episode, so maybe go and listen to that, but listen to it with a a pinch of salt with the caveat that we weren't sure about how the class interaction works. I still think I favour this slightly more with sleight of hand and the rogue style, but I also like the idea of Mark or Joe Diamond or something like that, just machine gunning through a room. Really nice. Oh, and if you're looking on Arkham DB, it says three ammo rather than five. I think that was me putting in the wrong number. So yeah, that needs to change. That's a good start, I think. The next one is Scroll of Secrets. This is a Seeker and a Mystic card. So all of our Seekers, all of our Mystics can take it, and anyone who can take one of those off class. It costs one. It's an asset with an intellect icon. It's item and tome traded. So Daisy gets to use its action actionlessly once a turn or as a free extra action. It uses three Secrets. It takes up a hand slot. Let's come back to Secrets in a second. Action. Exhaust Scroll of Secrets and spend one Secret. Look at the bottom secret of any investigator's secret or the encounter secret. Then either discard that secret, add it to its owner's secret, place it on the bottom of its secret, or place it on the secret of its secret. Seems good for Scroll of Secrets. In all seriousness, it actually reads, Action, exhaust Scroll of Secrets and spend one secret. Look at the bottom card of any investigator's deck or the encounter deck. Then either discard that card, add it to its owner's hand, place it on the bottom of its deck, or place it on the top of its deck. What do I think of it? Well, we should talk about secrets because I mentioned that. We know that Truth From Fiction adds two secrets to things. We know that Matt has said that he wants mystics to care, uh, not mystics, seekers, sorry, to care more about secrets as they're kind of, in, in the way that guardians care about ammo and mystics care about charges, seekers sort of care about secrets to a certain extent. Maybe there'll be a secrets deck at some point. That's all well and good. As an action, looking at the bottom card of a deck is not quite the same as looking at the top card. Because obviously looking at the bottom card of the encounter deck is fine-ish, but a bit odd. And you can hear me hesitating because essentially this is a weird card. I heard, yeah, again, the Mythos Busters talking about this and saying that obviously looking at the bottom card of, of a deck does have a different quality to it than just looking at the top card. Because looking at the top card, you would have seen anyway at the end of your, your what well, in upkeep when you draw a card... And this, you're seeing a card that you wouldn't have seen at that point. I think we need to draw a line in this card between looking, using it to look at investigator decks and looking at the encounter deck. Potentially using it to look at the encounter deck, you're maybe trying to find VP enemies with it and pull them to the top. Or maybe there's a card you need to find in the encounter deck and you can search a certain number of cards down. So that Jazz Mulligan is an example of this. You could use this as an action to look at least for the bottom card. Potentially, if you have free actions going spare, somehow, using the exhaust ability to get rid of a card from the encounter deck might be useful. And then back on the investigator decks, maybe you're spotting a weakness and sniping it. Maybe someone else has had a way of adding a card to the bottom of the deck that is a weakness, something like that. Potentially with things like Doomed, where every time you see 
doomed, you add another card to the bottom of your deck, you use this as tech to instead get that card into your discard pile so you don't see doomed and then I want to say ascending path again. Why is it that that's the thing I say? Doomed, long pause as I try and remember what it's called. Doomed, ascending path. <laughs> no, doomed, altered, altered something. No, a cursed fate. Doomed, a cursed fate in the belt. That way too long. Yeah, you've you've seen doomed, so a cursed fate. It's, it's the second time you've seen doomed. A cursed fate is on the bottom of your deck. You've only got three cards left in your deck. Scroll of Secrets then is a way of getting a cursed fate into your discard pile so you don't draw it and add another thing to your campaign log. But that is really niche specific tech. More likely, if you're desperately trying to find that last vicious blow or that dynamite blast or that elusive or something like that, a way of peeking at the bottom of your deck as well as drawing three cards, no, two cards during your turn would be a way of, of just hunting for that extra card somehow. I'm not sure why you would ever place that card on the top of your deck rather than just in the owner's hand, but maybe the top of the deck is an encounter deck thing and owner's hand is investigator deck. Yeah, it's an odd one to me. It's really strange. I think we've seen how they split and I need to do a bit more thinking about them and, and find a home for this card, essentially. The next card is... Tennessee Sour Mash. This is a rogue and survivor card. It's an asset. It's item and illicit. It's three cost and has a willpower icon. Uses two supplies. Free trigger, exhaust Tennessee Sour Mash and spend one supply. You get plus two willpower for a skill test on a treachery card. Action, discard Tennessee Sour Mash. Fight, you get plus three combat for this attack. This one I like. Little bit pricey at three. Two supplies for two plus twos. That's like two unexpected courages for paying three for willpower tests. That's nice and fitting in faction where some of the investigators have quite low willpower. Silas, Skids, Finn, Preston. Preston can't take it because it's illicit, so the first three. The The fight action at the end is super thematic to smash the glass over their head, but it's not giving you any damage. So even though it's a plus three in itself, I don't think it's too helpful I would say maybe this card is a little bit below the curve and just the fact that it's multi-class is where it sort of fits into lots of different homes and, and gives you options. But I also think if Joey the Rat becomes more potent and you kind of just throw this out without spending the action, throwing this out for four and then getting plus two for two tests and a decent-ish fight, you know, even Wendy getting a plus three fight that helps her kill a rat or something like that, that's no bad thing. So yeah. Doesn't take up hand slot as well. It's it's okay, I think. I want to find a, a good home for it. And next is the Enchanted Blade, which we could see in spoilers, but we couldn't actually... Well, in, in announcement art, but we couldn't actually see what it did. So this is the Mystic and Guardian multi-class card, a three-cost asset with a combat icon. It's item, relic, weapon, and melee traded. Relic means Ursula can take it. It takes up an arcane slot and a hand slot. Uses three charges, the Mystic thing. Action, fight, you get plus one combat for this attack. As an additional cost to initiate this ability, you may spend one charge to empower the blade. If you do, you get plus one combat and deal plus one damage for this attack. Cool. Uh, rules question straight away. Does that mean you end up with plus two combat? Or does that mean you just get plus one and deal plus one damage for this attack? Hard to know. Either it's a three cost plus one plus one, which is all right, or it's a three cost plus two plus one for three hits, which is super fun. Either way, I think it's fine. It's a limited machete to a certain extent, but without the stipulation about the only enemy engaged with you, which is nice-ish. 
what do you do with it when it's empty? If you run this in Yorick, you act of desperation and throw it at someone. As it's a relic, you could charge it up with recharge, which is all right. Ellie Horowitz could find it for you if you're running Ellie. And yeah, maybe Jim likes Ellie to find this relic. And then it's double slot stipulation. Ellie is holding it for you and it doesn't take up any slots. That's all right. Yeah. It's a, it, weirdly, maybe it should be evaluated a little bit like a, a gun. It's a bit like a forty-five automatic at one fewer cost with one fewer bullets because that gives you the plus one and the plus one damage. And that seems all right, and then you just don't have any of the ammo play around that. That seems, yeah, that seems fine. I suppose also the fact that it's multi-class and it's mystic as well as guardian means that it's opening up access as for this weapon for the the mystic people who wouldn't otherwise have access to it. So, for instance, Norman. I mean, I don't think Norman is going to want to fight at three and deal plus one damage, but currently his options for fighting are either Seeker events or Mystic spells, and having this as a Mystic weapon just sneaks in a little option there for him. Similarly with Daisy, it's it's all right, yeah. Uh, Seth. Maybe she's only two combat, so maybe she's not not that interested either. But that's at least worth bearing in mind that even though it's a weapon and guardian, and we would think about it then in terms of comparing it to guardian weapons, this is also a way for any mystic access character who has decent combat to make the most out of that as well. Okay, cool. And we're on to the last card already, how they rush by. The last card is Grizzly Totem. This is a survivor and seeker multi-class card. Three cost asset as well. Have they all been three cost? No, the scroll of secrets is one cost. Agility icon, item and charm traded. We should have thrown it back immediately, but how could we have known? I mean, it is pretty damn grisly. It takes up the accessory slot and it has a reaction. After you commit a card to a skill test, exhaust grisly totem, that card gains another instance of one of its skill icons of your choice. Not limited by charges, which is nice really limited by nothing once you've got it down as long as you have cards to commit and it's not even committing skill cards it's just committing any cards so as long as you have a card to throw in it once a turn gains min's ability to add a a wild icon or well an instance of another skill icon this to me is maybe the strongest of the multi-class cards i can see popping this down early on and then this just adding value to all of the committed cards throughout the game steadily. You know, if you pay three for this and get three or four exhausts from it, you're paying three for plus plus four over four turns. That's fine. Like, that's decent. That's something that I think, okay, yeah, this is doing work for me. I like that. Obviously, some, some immediate homes that jump out is somewhere like for Silas or for Min, because they really like committing cards. And I think I probably value this higher than some people because I like to commit cards. That's I like playing that way. Every duplicate in my deck becomes a card I commit. So I can see other people saying, Ooh, no, why would I ever do that? But then, you know, you might also pop it in, say, Ashkan, if you're committing cards in Ashkan. Or in Yorick, you're committing to fight in Yorick. Maybe you're committing cards in Ursula, say. These things happen. You can throw cards into tests. So... Yeah, there's lots of different places that it could potentially find a home. You know, even Roland, you might be committing an unexpected courage or something else. And this just steadily does work for you. Yeah, somewhere like Roland, there's not that much competition for that slot. He doesn't have an accessory that he necessarily wants to run. And then this becomes the thing that you chuck all of your spare cards to, which is lovely. Yeah, it's 
I can just, it's the least flash, and that makes me think it probably does the most work. You know, it's not going to run out on you. It just sits there being a steady earner. I like it. Cool. This was the first look for the secret name, the first Mythos pack in the Circle Undone campaign. Super exciting. No idea when I'll actually get my cards. Let me know what you thought about it. You can email us. We're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. We're drawn to the flame on Twitter. We're drawn to the flame on Facebook. Shout out to our patrons. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Come and talk to me about these cards on our Discord. That would be great. And yeah, maybe think about becoming a patron. www.patreon.com forward slash drawn to the flame. As ever, I welcome your feedback. I welcome things that you think I've missed. Let's keep the conversation going about these cards. Let's keep finding new ways to break the game with them. And happy playing. Cheers. Bye. Bye.